0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive when you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets for any other tasks that you've got to get done. Listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the more things change, the more they tend to stay the same. Welcome to another episode of it's always game day in Buffalo, Mapo Sal Capaccio here, and the bills have just signed a new wide receiver and it's Cole Beasley. Yes. What a blast from the past. We heard from him for the first time on Wednesday. It was his first full practice with the team. Sal, the question now is what kind of impact is he going to make and how soon is he going to make that impact? Is there a chance we see him on the field Saturday? Oh, I don't, I think there's, A good chance. I think it's actually happening. As I sit here right now,
0: we talk about this on a Wednesday. We, we do this podcast. Um, I think this is happening considering that they just brought John Brown back two weeks ago and he literally played like a week later and Cole Beasley doesn't have to have a huge acclimation period and the bills need help. They want a guy like this. They needed this kind of guy. How many times did you or I or somebody else were sitting there on WGR or channel seven, whatever, talking about it and saying, you know what they need? They need a Cole Beasley kind of guy. The guy that played the Cole Beasley role. Well, Cole Beasley played the Cole Beasley role. (laughs) So they're getting Cole Beasley. And um, yeah, it is interesting. You started by saying the more things change, the more they stay the same. It is wild to think Beasley Brown, AJ Klein, right? All these guys that they've uh, they brought Shaq back. Lawson, Shaq Jordan Lawson, Phillips, Jordan Phillips, Dean
1: Marlowe. I mean, the list goes on and on of all of these guys that were once here and then left and then ultimately came back. What did you make of the news when you first found out that Cole Beasley was coming back? Were you surprised? Did you like the idea? And now that we've had a little bit of time to kind of let it all process, what, what are you thinking?
0: Um, I do like the idea because I think they need help there, but I'm still very just, I still question like what he can bring because he has been kind of playing since then, but with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he kind of retired because he couldn't get on the field and really wasn't going well. But you know, he he talked about that when he met with us and just it wasn't the same and it didn't feel like the right spot for him and those kinds of things. I think this will be different. It'll be better for him, but I still wonder because even Matt, when he played last year, I understand he played through injuries, but it was like, he caught the ball and he went down. He had nothing to give after that. And as valuable as that can be, because I think they're missing that. If he did catch the ball and just fall down, it might be better than what they're getting right now. <laughs> I was going to say, spot, right? Yeah, um, but but I, I do wonder like what his effectiveness will be. But they do need somebody just does that to get to a zone, to catch it, to get down and give the Bills a second and five. <laughs>
1: And I think that it's interesting too, that we're talking about if he's going to play on Saturday or not. And I also agree. I think he's going to play on Saturday. This could be a game where you really need Colby sleep, because if the weather is bad and you're just trying to get these little chunk plays and move your way down the field, having somebody who, you know, can catch the ball in elements is really, really valuable because the last time this team was on the field in a game in elements was on Sunday against the jets and they had countless drops. And that was something that was really a problem for them. I think it's one of those moves that there's not a lot of risk involved. I think more of the, risk is everything externally than it is football-wise. It's, you know, there were things that were said, really, by both sides. The Bills didn't want him back. He requested a trade. They didn't trade him. They cut him. He's going on social media, liking comments about how he wanted out of Buffalo and how things changed in his time there and all of the layers that come to it. Cole Beasley has been a very polarizing player for this fan base. So I think the risk there is greater than the risk of actually on the football field. I think on the football field, it's going to be a pretty seamless transition. I think he's basically going to walk into the locker room like he did. And I will say for as polarizing as he is externally, Mm. internally in the locker room, It feels like that guy is really beloved by his teammates, by the guys that need to love him, which are Josh Allen, his fellow wide receivers, Chad Hall, and then basically McDermott and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think that the reward, I don't want to say it greatly outweighs the risk because I don't think he's going to come in here and turn into two years ago, all pro Cole Beasley. But I think he's going to be somebody who contributes. I think he's going to contribute far more than we've seen John Brown contribute since getting reacclimated into the lineup in the two games that he's played.
0: It's a good point that you make about, you know, the difference between the fan base and the polarization and what he's like in the locker room. When he was signed, when there was this rumblings that he'd be signed, I can't tell you how many people I read that said, why would they bring the of uh, cancer in the locker room? This guy is so disruptive. Where do people get that from? That's not the case. He just isn't. He might be disruptive to you or the fan base, and you may view him in a way that you know he's unpopular with you, which is your right, but he certainly is not a cancer in the locker room or disruptive in the locker room as far as my knowledge or anything that we've heard. We think I I know exactly what you know, which is he's beloved. They, they brought him back for that reason. I guarantee you this. If he was, there is no way in heck Brandon Bean brings him back for a Super Bowl mm-hmm. run. Like not at this point in the season, why would you disrupt a 10 and three team? He's brought back for the opposite because they do love him. They do love what he brings, his professionalism and how he's going to go out about his business every day. And he's out there to try and win. But that said, yes, it ended poorly here in Buffalo for him with the fans. And it went poorly during the off season. on Wednesday. He met with the media. We were there. I liked what I heard from him, which is basically him saying, look, I want right to write some wrongs. And he was emotional about a lot of things that went down. A lot of it dealt with his kids and the stuff they were facing because of what he was outspoken against and how he acted on social media. He used an example of his own son having a birthday party, like a seven-year-old who had a birthday party. Another young boy said, I can't go to your birthday party because my mom doesn't like you. Like, those are the kinds of things that kind of set him off.
1: I think what I heard from Cole Beasley on Wednesday when we talked to him was a lot more like what I had heard from Cole Beasley in his first two years in Buffalo than it was last season, the COVID year. Cole Beasley to me anyway, and this is just my opinion, was always very thoughtful. Mm -hmm. He was always very gracious with his time. I loved having conversations with him. And it's not like it happened every single day. But I just remember some of the things that he would talk about the first couple of years about football and about his transition from the Cowboys to the Bills and the differences he'd seen in the two organizations and all of that stuff. I enjoyed those conversations. And then I thought last year, there was a wall. That was up rightfully so because of everything that was happening off of the field and whether you agree with him or you disagree with him there was a wall there and we didn't ever really know what he was going to say or what he wasn't going to say and it left us wondering but I think he was pretty candid today when we talked to him I could be getting played like a fiddle and I could be reading this wrong but I, I genuinely thought that he was coming to this from a very just authentic and vulnerable yeah. place and I and I value that that's one of the reasons why I mean this is a completely different thing but that's one of the reasons why. I have loved talking to Von Miller so much Mm -hmm. since he's been here. I think that that guy is just so interesting to listen to. And they went back and forth, you know, they went back to back today. We, We heard from Von Miller too. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, no, I thought Cole Beasley it's a step in the right direction from kind of mending whatever severs there were in the fan base and the relationship there, there's still more to be done. But the best way to solve that is by going out and producing on the football field. I mean, if this team does what they're trying to do, if Cole Beasley plays any sort of role in them getting to a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl, regardless of what happened in the last year, he will be beloved by 90% of the fan base.
0: No doubt. And there's still going to be 10% who might not. And yeah. will always kind of hold whatever against him that they held against him and didn't like the way that he spoke out and didn't like the way it ended and didn't like those were made sense then on social media.
1: And those people are completely within their right. Everybody can, everybody can make their own opinion. Everybody can say, listen, this guy can kick rocks. We don't care. Or you can say, all right, we all make mistakes. It's everybody can have their own opinion on that.
0: I, I found myself though, just kind of, a little bit thinking about and smiling and laughing a little bit internally, looking at some of the fan reaction to all of this, And saying, oh, my God, I don't want that guy back after the way he treated us and things like that. And I'm like, come on, how many of us have been in relationships in our life where maybe it went a little sour and then a little bit and then you're like, you say bad things, you think bad things. You're like, yeah, but, you know, we can get over that if we get back together again. Right. And we can we can kind of make it where it was before and make up for it. I think that's what, you know, a lot of this is too. you know, Um, Brandon Bean even touched on that. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I think that's what happened in a lot of ways here.
1: Yeah. There are fans who think that until it's third and six and you need to get it down the field and <laughs> right. Cole Beasley yeah. seven yard gain. And then it's a first down and then you go, okay, I'll, I'll, fine again. Good catch Cole. Let's keep it going. Everybody come on, let's go.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, he, he spoke about it and he said, he said there were things that he wishes he could have handled differently. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from that standpoint, but right now, Matt, like make no mistake. I mean, this is, so there's a couple things about this signing. I think what it represents for, you know, the bills bringing a guy like Cole Beasley in and that can help them, but it also kind of what they've been lacking, right? Which is, I think this is pretty transparent now that they're saying that they are just not getting enough from that position. And what you said about the drops, I think that was a big deal on Sunday. Sean McDermott mentioned the drops on in postgame. He mentioned them again on Monday to us in our zoom call with the local media I think that might've been a tipping point, especially after hearing Brandon Bean say this started back at Thanksgiving. They went through the process. They're like, yeah, let's wait till after Sunday's game and see. And then bam, he's on the team. I think that absolutely happened. And I think that the bills really here show that like, Hey, we need a guy. And then the other thing is it's not just about, of course, it's all about winning a Super Bowl, but this is about the here and now and getting this thing to the finish line for home field advantage. They need to win their next four games to get home field advantage. That is super important. I think to this organization,
1: Yeah, and I think that it wasn't even just the drops that they're trying to, it's when the drops happened. It wasn't just like that they happened. It was when they happened. There were several of them that happened on third downs or in big moments of the game. I think back to there were two third down drops from Isaiah McKenzie. There was a drop from Dawson Knox. I don't know if it technically goes into the book as a drop, but on that last drive when it was first and ten and everybody thought they were just going to turn around, hand it off and try and run the clock. Well, if he makes that catch, they win the game. They don't have to punt the ball back because they could just kneel it out and run the clock out so I think that that has something to do with it too they trust Cole Beasley in those bigger moments in those big stage games and that's what they have coming up here they have a lot of those so yeah it's interesting because I do not know I do think he's going to be on the field I don't know how he's involved he's going to be against the Dolphins and then that kind of starts you know the four game stretch here I think the Dolphins is the second toughest game they have left on their schedule the first is the uh, Bengals game on january 2nd but this dolphins game might mean just as much just to make sure that you win your division and so you know you're hosting a playoff game yep. whether it's wild card weekend or whether it's in the division around or whatever it is so that's why it's all about the right here right now and i know it's a cliche that often gets thrown around but i don't think it's a coincidence they brought him in and are hoping to have him ready for saturday because they do think he can make a difference and they need to win this game
0: yeah. Let me explain to everybody how it works. In case you don't know, um, they, he is on the practice squad, just like John Brown. Every team can elevate two players each week from the practice squad to the active roster without signing them to the 53 man roster and making, a making room And each player can have three separate elevations before. And the fourth one, they'd have to literally sign them to a, a contract. John Brown has two elevations. He has one left. Cole Beasley now gets three elevations. It doesn't matter what happened with Tampa. It only counts in Buffalo. He has three elevations. They have four games left. This is good math by Brandon Bean, right? He's doing this four games left. I don't think that's a coincidence, Matt. They can literally elevate John Brown one more time, whatever that is, and Cole Beasley, the other three games, whichever those are, not even have to sign them to the practice, to the active roster. You would have then five receivers. You'd have one or the other for each of those games, and then at the end of the regular season, it resets back to zero, and they can keep getting elevated, and then there's no un, no limits to it, by the way. They can literally go from here till the Super Bowl never sign either one of them to the 53 man roster. And both of them could wind up basically playing in every playoff game.
1: So basically how it works. So that's, I'm glad you clarified that because I was a little confused kind of on Mm -hmm. the rule. So four games left, let's say they elevate Cole for three and they don't, let's just say that they don't elevate him for the last Patriots game of the year or whatever. Maybe they've got something already clinched up. So then it resets and then they can elevate him for every single playoff game that they play in. Correct. It's unlimited elevations per player, but you still only get two for the
0: team. But each player has unlimited elevations. You can. And there's only four playoff games possible, obviously. But each each one of those games, you can just elevate Cole Beasley or John Brown or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean that's pretty smart, next level stuff from Brandon Bean. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it right. works. It's it's funny how it works out that way. I mean, I think maybe Cole gets the next three games, and then. They just And then they elevate John Brown for the last one. That's assuming, though, that Jamison Crowder isn't available at some point. Kumaro isn't available at some point. I mean, Brandon Bean did specifically mention during his press conference today that Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, the plan was for both of those guys to kind of split the Cole Beasley role once they let Beasley go last year. And then Crowder gets hurt at the beginning of the season. And McKenzie has not lived up to the expectations that they had set internally for him. Now you go out, you add Beasley. And then as far as Jake Kumaro is concerned, he said Jake Kumaro is still a little bit, you know, he's got a little bit of work left to do, a little bit of ways to go. So I'm not, you know, thinking that we're going to see Jake Kumaro sometime in the next couple of weeks here. So that will add a little bit of a complication to the things. But I mean, it doesn't seem like that's going to be anything to get to concern themselves with for the next couple of weeks.
0: No, the only thing you do want to think about, though, is Ike Butker's 21 day window does end this week. Um, they're gonna have to make a decision. I think though they might get a one day grace period and be able to do it on Monday. If they actually like, if they don't elevate him by activate him by Saturday. I don't think it, they run out. I think he can't practice starting Monday, but I think he could still be uh, activated starting Monday. But the whole point is here. I think they're going to want to do that. They're not going to put him on IR for the rest of the year. So no. if you're going to do that with like Butker, what does that mean? Does that mean that, Justin Murray is, do they release him, or is it someone else? I don't, I mean, Bobby Hart's been the second offensive lineman. Is it someone from another roster from another position? There are some, as I like to say, roster gymnastics that need to go on here in, in the very short future.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be interesting because I do think that they want probably, I think there's a chance like Bucker could play on s- Saturday. Is that completely out of the question? No, I don't think it is. So, I mean, especially if you do have, an injury to Ryan Bates. I mean, it's not like you're just going to throw him in there, but I think that you would want a little bit more depth potentially at your offensive line. So yeah, I'm interested. I'm sure that they've got something that they've got to figure out, but it doesn't seem like there's a super obvious cut candidate probably besides Justin Murray.
0: Yeah. And Justin Murray is a guy that, you know, is, at least they've had active in case they've needed for like a swing guy and he's played here and there in spot duty, but that would make sense. But we'll see an injury. Other injuries do happen as they go on. All right, let's take a look at the Miami dolphins and they're coming to town and what the weather's going to be like on Saturday night in orchard park.